All right, well, go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Psalms this morning, Psalms chapter 11. I'm just going to say right from the get-go on uh, this message I'm going to preach. It's going to be uh, a series of about three messages, and I'm just going to admit it, this wasn't all my idea. I was listening to another preacher uh, that I really respect, and he was he preached a message along these lines, and he did it all kind of in one message, but there was so much good stuff in there, I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to kind of copy his outline of those three messages, and I'm going to use it and then uh, just kind of put my own uh, outline on each of the points that he brought up because they were they were just they were good points, something right there in the scriptures, and I thought I, I want to preach on that. So I, if I do steal something, I like to you know make sure I give credit where credit's due. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Psalms chapter 11, verse three, it says, "If the foundations be destroyed." What can the righteous do? And when you see that there, it doesn't really answer that question. But if you destroy the foundation of something, I mean, really, what can you do? There's not, there's not a whole lot you can do. You're in trouble if you can destroy the foundation of something. And I believe in our society today, we are seeing our, our society is being destroyed. Our country is being destroyed. And I believe that the way it's being destroyed, it's, they're going after the foundation of our, very foundation of our society. And what is the foundation of society, I believe we can find out. It's very clear in Genesis. If you want to go ahead and turn back to Genesis real quickly, but our society today, I believe it's intentionally too. I believe it's intentionally being destroyed by wicked people. They're succeeding in tearing apart what once was a great country, and they're doing it by going after the foundations. Our country, it was you know, it was started as a Christian nation. It was founded on biblical principles. You know, these, these principles that people live by, they came from the Bible. Our laws, they were based off of the Bible. I mean, our country had a great foundation, and that's why it's been able to stand as long as it stood. And that's why it's been as great for as long as it's been great. But if they can succeed in destroying the foundation, then it's all going to collapse. It's all going to come down. And so what are these foundations? I'm just going to talk about one of them today. I'm not even going to tell you what the other ones are. You're going to have to wait until next week. But you can actually see them right here in Genesis in the very beginning when God, after God created this world and He put man on earth, there was, there are some things that we see right there in the Garden of Eden at the very beginning of creation, things that, you know, that God set up. There's a, there's a plan that God had. And it hasn't changed. There are some things that God still expects from us. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, "...and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord, made, uh, the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then if you jump down to verse 15, it says, "...and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it." Okay, two times we see how after God created man, God put the man in the garden. God put him in that garden of Eden. And notice the first thing that God does is God gives him a job. God says, I want you to take care of this garden. I want you to dress it. I want you to keep it. And something that we, that is just, it's clear in the Bible, 
something that's the foundation of our society is that, you know what? We are supposed to work. You know what? Life is work. We ought to have a good work ethic. And one thing that we are seeing in this generation today, I mean, this generation is so lazy, it's not even funny. And what people think of as work, you know, it's amazing what some people consider to be work. And the thing that, you know, grown men that will quit jobs because they have to stand on their feet too much. Everybody wants a job now where you just sit behind a desk and type on a keyboard. And let me tell you, that can be a job, but you know what? Sometimes you've got to actually go and do physical work. And you know what? It's not a bad thing. God actually made us to do these type of things. Work is a good thing. Notice in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work. Even God worked. Many times we refer to work as a curse. But you know what? Work was given before there was a curse. The curse was just the thorns and the things that make it difficult to work. The sweat was the curse. Now it's hard. It's a lot harder to work. But from the beginning, God intended man to work. God worked. And notice, God He ended His work which He made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. God worked and then God rested on the seventh day. And it says in the Ten Commandments, when it says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, it reminds us that you know what? God, He worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. And He wants us to follow that example. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh, that's the Sabbath. That's one that's that uh, was a sacred day for them where they weren't supposed to work. But working, it is just a part of life. We have got to, we've got to get this in our kids' heads. It is amazing how many people today are living life and think they should not have to work. We are seeing this and uh, look at John chapter 5 verse 16. John chapter 5 verse 16. So not only did God work back then, okay? People they look at that and think, well God only worked 6 days and then he rested, and, you know, I should have to work 6 days and rest for the rest of my life going to retirement. No, it's not that easy. You're going to have to work hard. God is still working. It says in John chapter 5, verse 16, "...and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay Him because He had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work." You all see that? God still was working then and during Jesus' time. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm working too. Okay, God works. Jesus worked. Jesus was a carpenter. We see that God put man in the garden to dress it and keep it. God gave man work to do. God said, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But you know what? This generation, this generation of Americans is probably the worst work ethic that there's ever been in America. You know, the, this millennial generation, they have this sense of entitlement. You've all heard of that. You know, everybody just thinks Everything should just be given to you. We have politicians right now that are promising, you know, free, you know, say free college for everyone. Everyone, everyone has the right to go to college with no student loans. Okay, but here's the problem with here's the problem with that. First of all, we can't afford it. You know, somebody's going to pay for it. But second of all, you know, when you just hand things to people, and they don't appreciate it, and they don't take care of it. And it doesn't accomplish anything. You know, there's something to be said about you know when you when you pay the money, 
when you do the work. Just this week when we were on vacation, you know, when you're on vacation, you spend a lot of money. And we, uh, one of the things, we went to Silver Dollar City, and they have free parking that's really far away, but then they have the close parking that you can pay for. Well, we picked the really far away parking that was free. And I told my kids, I was like, the amount of money I would have to pay to park up close, I'd have to order fill for an hour at Walmart. I would write, if we walk, it's only going to take 15 minutes, and that's a lot easier than order filling for an hour. And so, you know what? We're walking. You know, I, I, th- I interpret things sometimes by how long do I have to work to produce this? And when you start thinking about how much work it is, you start understanding the value of things and you start appreciating things. When you think about how much work you put into something, you're going to take better care of that. I had to work ten hours. I had to work maybe for two weeks. You know, I'm going to I'm going to take care of this. But when it's just handed to you, you don't care. And that's why college today has turned into nothing but a big party for a lot of people. That's why you've got these. You know, you've got there's ways now, and I don't know how it all works, but you know, some people are getting paid to go to college. And then you wonder why we have these professional students that are like in college for years and years and years and still don't have a job. You know why? Because it's all being handed to them. And they're being told these things are rights. People are being told that food is a right. We're going to look at it a little while. So the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Okay? How is food a right? Okay? I understand we need to take care of people who can't work. We need to take care of people who are, you know, are sick and disabled and things like that. But, you know, people who are healthy? Why? Why is that a right? Why? You know, we're, and we're teaching people these things. And this millennial generation, they have a sense of entitlement. It kind of reminds me of somebody in the Bible in Luke chapter fifteen, the story of the prodigal son. Most people don't realize the word prodigal it means waster. That's what that's, that's why we call him the prodigal son. What did he do? He went to his father and he said, "Father, the younger of them." said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me and he divided unto them his living. Father, give me what's coming to me. Give, me. give me what's entitled to me right now. And his father did. His father gave him his that inheritance that he wasn't supposed to get then. He was supposed to get it later. But he went ahead and gave it to him then. You know, there have been millennials. They've been around even way back then. But you know, they used to starve him out. Uh, it was what would usually happen to him. But you know, so this guy, this prodigal, he goes and he gets his money. And what does he do? Well, he does like most millennials. He probably went out and you know grew a band bun and you know went and started spending six dollars on coffee, hanging out in the coffee shops, and he bought all the latest phones and gizmos and gears and things that he's entitled to. He got an expensive apartment that he couldn't afford. He went and bought a brand new car. You know, he did I know I'm exact you know, I know they didn't have all that stuff back then, but that's what they if this was written today, that's exactly what would have happened. And then all of a sudden, guess what? The money runs out because he's lazy, he's pathetic, he's not working, he's not laboring, he spent all, the Bible says. He spent it all and he didn't have anything left and he ended up in a hog pen. He finally figured out, i got to work. And you know what? The job he got, it stunk. It was a terrible job. It was one that you know he, he didn't enjoy. It was one that did not take care of him like he should. And let me tell you something about welfare. It's not a good way to live. Okay? And you know what? I don't think the government's entitled to give everyone, you know, make everyone live like a king. Yeah, it stinks, but 
it's not supposed to be that great. You know, we want to, we want to help people survive, but we don't want to make them live like kings. But you know what? The, that sense of entitlement. You know, Father, give me the portion of goods that cometh to me. You know, it's like people today they think because they exist they deserve something. You know, why do you deserve these things? Why should we give you these things? But that's their attitude. The millennial generation they don't know how to handle competition in the real work world. There's competition, isn't there? There's other people that want your job. If you're selling things, there's other people that might sell it cheaper. The millennial generation, they don't know how to handle competition. You know why? They grew up being given trophies for everything. Participation awards. You know what? My kids have gotten some participation awards for things they've been in, but you know what I tell them? Those participation awards are for losers. I know there's a way I preach... And there's a there's a way I live, all right. And you know, and you know, I'm nice. I'm politically correct and all that. Okay, I'm sounding like Hillary right now, you know, with the two messages. But you know, I, I'm not mean to people, okay. But my kids, I want my kids to turn out right. And so, you know, I'm not going to risk hurting their feelings for nothing. And if my kids get a second place award, we call that first place loser. All right. You know, and you know, there was a time when only first place. Got the award. It says, in fact, it says, Bible's not very politically correct in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. One! Well, that's not fair. What about second and third? And what about all those other people that tried really, really hard? Don't they deserve an award too? No, they lost. Okay? One receives... A prize. That's the way it's supposed to be. But you know what? We have raised a generation of people that think they deserve an award. You know, everybody gets something. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's going to get a ribbon. And if my kids are in something and they get a participation award, I don't make them throw it in the people's face or anything like that. But you know what? I don't tell them, wow, you really accomplished something great. Wow, you know, I tell them these things are stupid. They stink. They're for, they're for losers. And that's, that's what I tell my kids. Uh, you shouldn't say things like that. Well, I don't want my kids to turn out to be a millennial. I don't want them to be like this generation. They don't know how to handle competition. And one of these days, they're going to be faced with real competition. They're going to want to get a job that somebody else wants it too. And that person at that, you know, that, you know, corporation or whatever, they don't play by all those rules that, you know, we make kids think the whole world plays by. There is competition out there. And you've got to learn to strive. You've got to learn to work hard. You know, if my kids do their best, you know, I'm proud of them for doing their best. I'll tell them. But I'm going to tell them, you know, keep working hard. Try harder next time. I'm not going to tell them they won. They didn't win. They lost. You know, don't lie to your kids on that. You're not helping them at all. You know, the, the millennial generation, they're weak. They can't handle getting dirty. They can't handle long hours. Man, I've had to do some jobs before that really stink. I think, you know, not talking about pastoring, but I think my job I have right now stinks. But, you know, hey, it pays the bills. You know, and so I'm going to keep doing it. It's hard work. Paul knows what I'm talking about. He knows how hard it is. We, you know, it's, it's tough work. But, you know, it, it pays. I think it pays good. And so I'm going to keep doing it. I would much rather sit around and do something easy and just type on a keyboard all day. I would rather just have somebody send me a check for doing absolutely nothing. But you know what? I'm in the real world. And nobody's doing that for me. And so i got to work. 
I gotta, I, you gotta get out there and you gotta try hard. This generation of church planners, they are, they, you know, they're in for a surprise, many of them that are just getting into this. It's not an easy thing getting a church started right now. This isn't the 70s and the 80s when everybody was going to church and when everybody tithed. This isn't that kind of day and age. Right now, churches are, you know, churches are dying. Churches are falling apart. Most churches aren't growing. Most people are struggling financially. Our economy stinks. Most people don't want to give. They don't have that extra to give towards things. And so, you know, we're, you know, now too, churches, we're competing with all these fun centers that are all over the place calling themselves churches that are nothing but glorified playgrounds. And we got, we're competing with those things. It's hard starting a church today. It's a, it's a lot of work. I mean, you gotta knock, you gotta knock a lot of doors to get, uh, to get visitors these days. I was just at a church the other day, a big church, and they were talking about how they had six, I think it was maybe 60 people saved that week. But, I forgot how many hundreds they said they had out knocking doors. You know, it, it takes a lot of work to reach a soul these days. This world is hard. I mean, I mean, the hearts are hard. There's mass deception like you would not believe uh, from what they're watching on television, the internet, from the pulpits of churches. People are deceived today. It's a lot of work bringing people to Christ. But you know what? That's what we've been called to do. And who cares? I mean, it's hard, but we are going to do it. We're going to make it happen. This generation, I believe, will easily be defeated in a war. You know, look at how terrified our generation is of guns. Guns, young guns are so evil. I mean, I've got some family members that they won't even let their kids have toy guns. Why? You know, we can't let our kids play with guns. Why not? Not not real guns. All right, you know, but even Nerf guns, squirt guns. Man, I remember one time we took some teenagers out paintballing. Okay, we were out paintballing, and it was a kid from another church. He went and he shot this one kid a whole bunch of times. You know, shot him up. And later, that kid's mom came and was chewing him out for shooting her son more than once and having the audacity to laugh about it. I'm like, that's what you do in paintball. You shoot the other people up and then you go tell everybody how you lit that guy up and how many times... You, and you brag about it and you laugh at it. It's, it's competition. all right. And it's like, you know, it, it, it hurts getting hit with paintball. Yeah, but it's not as bad as a bullet. You know, you, you got to learn, you know... I, that same year, Tommy, I don't know how old he was, he was probably like seven or eight years old, and we were there with the youth group, and I let him go out paintballing. And man, he got shot up big time. You should have seen all those whelps he had on his back. And you know what? I, I didn't go and I didn't go look for the kid that shot him. Did you see how little he was? You know what, you know what I did? I told him, make a man out of you. You know? Good, good for you. He was, he was proud of all his whelps. He got he got pictures of him. Brother Gomez had him come up there. Was at the youth conference, and he had him showing off his whelps, and everybody everybody felt sorry for him. He got a free T-shirt out of it. But you know what? That's good. It's manly. But people these days they they can't handle that stuff. Terrified of guns. Well, what do you think the enemy is going to use when they come after us? They're going to use guns. They're going to use knives. So what are we just going to do? Roll over? Listen, we might get taken over one of these days. We might get defeated. But listen, whoever takes us over, I plan on taking a few of them out in the process. I, I, I don't care whether it's our government, whether it's another army, I'm taking a few of them down with me. As many as I can. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not letting these people take me alive. <laughs> That's my attitude. That's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. And so you know what? 
we train them early. You get them the Nerf guns. And then you get them the BB guns. And then maybe you get them a 22 rifle. And then you get them the shotguns. And then the AR-15s. And all. I'm all for that stuff. Why? Because we live in a dangerous world. And so we've got to, we've got to be able to protect ourselves. You know, I don't think anybody ought to punch anybody. But you know what? There's other people that don't share my belief. And so you know what? If they come and they try to punch me, I want to make sure I can do more damage to them than they can to me. I don't think we ought to mess with anybody else's family. But not everybody in the world shares my belief. And so if somebody comes and tries to mess with my family, I want to be able to stop them. But this kind of teaching right now might be making you uncomfortable. You know why? Because we have been programmed into just being passive and weak. And not here. We are just lazy. And you know what? One of the things that helps toughen people up is hard work. My boys, they got to do detasseling this year. You know detasseling? That pay stinks. That's, that's slave wages they get. But you know what? I'll let them do it and I'm going to let them do it again next year. You know why? It's good for them. It's good for them to get up early in the morning. It's good for them to work hard and work for miles and wet clothes and get tired. Because you know what? Let me tell you something. And, and y'all, y'all know this. Work is hard sometimes. Man, I have had days where it would have just felt so good to just turn around and walk out, go home and go to bed. But you know what? No, I, I got to endure it. I got to, I got to tough this stuff out. I'm thankful I grew up. If I was pathetic and lazy, my dad would call me a wimp. I, I, I know you're not supposed to say this, but you know my dad he he told me I was acting like a girl sometimes, or you know told me I was being a girl. Oh, you're not supposed to say that. Well, my dad did, and you know it helped toughen me up. And I say it to my boys too. Nothing against girls. Nothing. Let me tell you, any girl that's being girly, that's wonderful. But a guy being girly, that's a problem. And I'm telling you, this generation, they don't know how to handle it. You know, I, you say you're judging. I know I'm judging, but it's just the truth. Where I, out of the distribution center I work, every once in a while we'll have some young 20-some-year-old guy come out there who just starts a job, and he shows up for work in skinny jeans. When I see that, I know he is not going to last in this job. Because, one, you you can't work in skinny jeans, okay? But two, anybody who shows up for work in skinny jeans has obviously never worked very hard in their life. And I'm telling you, it's a very physical job. And if you've never done any hard work in your life, you know, by the time you're in your 20s, you are not going to survive that job. And anybody who shows up in skinny jeans, I know, They've not worked hard before in their life, and therefore they're probably very wimpy, and they're not going to be able to handle this. And so, and, and I'm right every time, every single time you just mark it down, and it's just it's kind of a it, it's a sign. I think the managers ought to be allowed to just say, all right, we're done with you. Don't even waste the money training them. But you know, you're not allowed to discriminate these days just because somebody wears skinny jeans. But it would save them a lot of money if they were allowed to do that <laughs> because it's just a fact. It's just it's it's the reality of things. And I'm here today to tell you that we have got to we've got to start promoting this idea of hard work. You know, men used to be proud of their work. And they still are. That's what they talk about. They talk about their work. They talk about the things they do. They talk about their labors, the things they've accomplished, the things they build. Nowadays, what do young men talk about? Well, they talk about, you know, I defeated, you know, Final Fantasy in only, you know, three days, I don't know, whatever whatever game you know, they talk about their video game accomplishments. You know, and man, that's that's sad, but that is the reality 
of where we are today. What does the Bible say about those who don't work or are lazy? Because you might think I'm being mean. Alright, and I've been mean first on purpose, and that but you know, I want to get you all thinking I'm mean, but I'm going to show you what the Bible says, and you're going to see I'm not mean. I'm actually being nice, okay? First of all, Deuteronomy chapter twenty one, verse eighteen. If you all think anything I've said is mean, like oh being able to fire a guy just because he shows up to work in skinny jeans, alright, well, I mean that I might be pushing a little bit there, but look what the Bible says, okay? Deuteronomy chapter twenty one, verse eighteen. And I'm excited to show you this passage because this passage is so misused all the time. People say people use this passage to discredit everything in the Old Testament. I'm going to show you uh, it's not what people are saying about it. This is a pretty well-known passage of Scripture. But Deuteronomy 21.18 says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, or that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city, and under the gates of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Whoa! Mean, right? Well, listen. And this is what people say about this verse. Oh, you all believe in the death penalty just because the Bible says death penalty? Well, they used to teach if your son, you know, if you had a disobedient son, you were supposed to stone him. And they imply, you know, and they try to get people a picture of them bringing out their little kids and stoning them because they don't listen to their parents. But listen, this is not talking about little kids. This is talking about a grown-up man. Okay, how many little kids? I mean, I've seen some rotten little kids in my life. Okay, my kids have been pretty rotten in their life. I, I, I've seen some little kids in towns that are pretty rotten. I've heard some pretty foul language coming out of the mouth of little kids. Okay, But you know one thing I have never seen? I've never seen a little child that was a drunkard. I, I've not seen that. You know what? This wasn't talking about little children. This was talking about a man. He's got a son. This guy, he's grown up. He's a drunkard and a glutton. Okay, he's a glutton. What is he doing? He's he's consuming everything, and he's not doing any work. He's not producing anything. He's lazy. They've chastened him. A grown man. They beat him. Try to get him to work, and they can't get him to do anything. We call those people today failure to launch. Is one of them we talk about sometimes. But these guys, they are just. I mean, will not go get a job. Mooching off their parents. Grown, able-bodied men. And what do these people end up doing? You know what these guys... I've known these people. Listen, I have known guys that they grew up in their homes. Their parents never could get them to do anything. Never could get them to do any work. Finally, he's 18. Alright, he's past eight, or he's past 18 so the parents can now legally throw him out of the house. They throw him out of the house. And you know what these guys end up doing? They end up going and finding some poor young lady that just doesn't know any better and they'll shack up with her while she works. He'll get her pregnant She'll continue working while she has kids, and he sits at home and plays video games. I have I have been to the houses of these people. I have known young men who have children and their wives or girlfriends are out working while they sit at home and play video games. Now I'm here today to tell you that that is evil. The Bible says to put away the evil from among you, and you know what? In many cases, it's incurable. And you know what? In the Bible. They took them out and they stoned them. And you know, you say, well, that, that's, that's terrible. How is that helping him? 
Well, it's not helping him. But it helps everybody else. It helps the poor girl that was going to get stuck with him. It helps all the other young men to see that. Now, I'm not saying we need to go out and stone all these people right now, okay? But if our government decided to start doing that, it probably would help some things, okay? Okay? But at the same time, imagine, okay? Kids sometimes are lazy, okay? There's been times my kids have wanted to be lazy before, and, you know, they hear all the, they get all the politically incorrect speeches from me when that happens, okay? But imagine, just imagine, it would only have to happen one time. You got one of these people in town, they don't work, they don't do anything. Parents bring them out, they stone them. And you get to bring your kids and say, this is what happens to lazy people. He wouldn't help his dad out in the field. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do his responsibilities. He wouldn't take, this guy was a drunkard. Just sat around, eating, drinking, thinking only about his flesh. And I'm here today, to, you might think that's terrible, that's mean, but let me tell you what's cruel is people like this bringing children into the world and not taking care of them. Not providing for them. Many of these guys who they, that are sitting around doing nothing, they're on their televisions, they're on the internet all day, all night, watching filth and garbage. They turn into perverts. They're the ones that end up molesting people many times. Sorry, lazy people who don't do any work. They destroy societies. They destroy cultures. And you might say that's cruel. And I'm not, I'm not, we are not in the business of putting people to death around here, okay? That's not what we're going to do. But I'm here today to tell you that when they had a theocracy and God, when they were running their government the way God wanted them to, God said, people like that, you've got to put them to death. Why? Because the harm they do to society is ten times more than anything you're going to do to them. And and you say that's mean. Well, that's the Bible. Okay, that's the law. You know, and you say, well, we are in the New Testament age. Okay, all right. Well, we'll go to Second Thessalonians chapter three, New Testament. I, I think stoning's pretty mean. All right, uh, I, I think that I think that's pretty cruel. But in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse ten, you know, God doesn't want anybody dying just because they won't work. Well. Says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. What happens if you don't eat? Well, just, what if we started doing that with people who didn't work? Hey, you're not going to eat until you work. Well, two things are going to happen. Either one, they're going to die a slow, painful death of starvation, which is pretty cruel if you ask me, or... They're going to start working. Problem solved. You say, "Oh no, God! You know that's you know that was ultimate." Sounds like the New Testament is just as mean. I don't know if I'd want to get stoned to death or starved to death. That's a tough choice. One's pretty quick and painful. One's slow <laughs> and painful. I heard somebody say one time, "You know, I'll take starvation." Somebody's like, "Starvation takes a long time." He's like, "That's okay. I can wait." <laughs> but uh, I kind of feel like, you know. I kind of agree with that, I guess. But at the same time, I'm showing in the New Testament, it's pretty cruel too. Okay, Don't let them eat. You know, We shouldn't even need to be told to work or prepare for the future. Proverbs chapter 6, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Oh, that's not very nice, calling people sluggard. Well, you know, sluggard, that's a lazy person. You know, the ant, it doesn't have a guide, overseer, ruler, but it prepares its meat. All right? It prepares 
for the future. The Bible says, consider her ways and be wise. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, uh, it says, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Those who are lazy or those, or those who don't work for what they possess, they're never satisfied. They desire it, but they have not. You can give a lazy person whatever. You know, there was a time people just, you know, demanding food. That was enough. But now they want food. You know, they want, you know, look at all the welfare programs. I mean, remember the Obama phone thing that was real big? You know, why do people deserve cell phones? I understand people need food to survive, but a cell phone? We're going to give them cell phones too? I mean, come on. You know, why don't we just start giving everybody cable TV? And why don't we start giving everybody free college? Oh, wait, yeah, they are trying to do that too. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's getting out of control. Getting out of control. And you know what? They'll never be satisfied. We could give them, we can go get a bunch of Bernie Sanders supporters together and say, what all do you want? Make a list of everything you want and we can give them everything they want. And four years from now, that same group's going to be protesting that they want more. It's just, it's just, it's human nature. The desire of the slothful killeth him for his hands refuse to labor. They make excuses. Lazy people, they make excuses. Some people are so lazy. Okay? I mean, they're so lazy, they gotta, they let the wind blow their nose for them. Was one I was just reading. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, they're so, I mean, they're so lazy. They have to have a remote control for their remote control. It's all lazy there. I mean, they're just that lazy. They're so lazy. You could give them a, they could have a stay-at-home job, and they're still late for work every day. I mean, it just it's it's that it's that bad. Uh, those are jokes, but they're 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 almost real. <laughs> but lazy people, they make excuses. Proverbs chapter twenty verse four: The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing? Well, I can't go out and work. It's too cold. I can't work. It's too hot. Ah, it's raining. There's too many clouds. You know, there's bugs. I mean, you know, it's hot. You know, I'm sweaty. Listen, you just got to go on. You got to get it done. You know, there was a time when if you didn't work, you didn't get a paycheck. So, and America's, you know, destroying our culture by just, you know, making it so people don't have to work. It's it's turning people and uh, getting them involved in all kinds of perversion. Proverbs twenty two thirteen: The slothful man saith, "There is a lion without. I should be slain in the streets. I'm going to get killed if I go out there. Well, I can't go work that job. I might get hurt. I can't go work that job. This is going to happen. That's going to happen." I mean, just excuses. The lazy, though, they will always be pushed around. They will always be oppressed. Okay, you've got all these protesters always out, always talking about oppression, always talking about being oppressed. Okay, well, you know why you're oppressed? You're oppressed because you're lazy. You're not out there working. You're not out doing anything. They're always out protesting in the nine to five hours when all the working people are out working. And they wonder why they feel like they're under oppression. Proverbs 12.24, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. You're going to be the one working for somebody else. You're going to be the one that's getting pushed around. You know, the lazy, they're wasteful. Proverbs 12.27, we talked a little bit about this, but it says, "...the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting." But the substance of a diligent man is precious. Okay, a lazy person, they'll go out and they kill an animal. Nowadays, you know, they're not, you know, that's too much work to go out and hunt something. But back then, some people were so lazy they'd go kill an animal, but then they would waste most of the meat. Or some have said this means they wouldn't even cook the meat. They would just eat it raw. They were so lazy. That's disgusting. Some people are so lazy they undercook their ramen noodles. 
I mean, just it's it's ridiculous. They just I mean that stinking lazy. Proverbs eighteen verse nine. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is great waster. Lazy people, they do they waste things. It just goes hand in hand. They are wasteful and they will they waste you know, you can give them money, they're gonna waste it. They're gonna throw it away on junk. Why? Because they didn't they didn't work for it. You know, I, there's there's some things out there that I just I work too hard for. I can't I can't afford it. You know, I can't afford to. You know, I guess I could see how gambling could kind of be fun, but I work too hard for my money. I'm not going to go gamble. I saw a guy going into one of these stupid video gaming places that I work with, and he's going into one of these places where you just throw your money away in these computer games. And I'm thinking, I know how hard you work for your money. What is going on? Are you crazy? I, there's, there's no way. If you, now, if you all just start giving me money, I could probably be tempted to gamble. But not money I work for. I, I work too hard for it. I, I'm not throwing it away. Some people are so lazy, they fake disabilities. Proverbs 19.24 A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. He's going to pretend he can't even feed himself. He's going to act like he's crippled because he, he doesn't. He just, he's too lazy to even feed himself. The Proverbs... Uh, uh, I've got so many of these proverbs. It's it's full of verses, but you know the prover- the lazy they let what they have fall apart. Okay, uh, Proverbs twenty four thirty. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. You know, we do a lot of door knocking around here. One house that I see, it's not, I mean, there's one type of house I see often that always makes me nervous is when I go to a house and you can tell the grass hasn't been mowed in weeks, everything's a mess, everything's falling apart. I'm always nervous of that house because inside that house, lives a bitter man, angry at life, for whatever reason. But his real problem is, I know he's lazy. And I know whenever I see that house that I am about to interrupt a man's TV time when I knock on that door and he's not going to appreciate it. And he's going to be rude. And you know what? I'm telling you, it almost never fails. It happens. Just the last time it happened, I saw one of those houses. It reminded me of the house in this verse. I was like, ah. Here we go. And so I go up and I knock on the door. And a lady comes to the door and she's, she's being real nice. And she's like, oh yeah, I go to such and such church. I won't say what church that she went to. And then all the... And she's being real friendly. So I'm from Liberty Baptist Church, one invited church. And then all of a sudden I hear boyfriend on the couch. What do you want? You know, and then he just starts being ignorant and using language I cannot repeat and just being an idiot. And I was like, there he is. <laughs> and so I left, and I was like, I, you know, I, why is that? There is just, there's this lazy people. There's just certain things they just have in common, and you know what? They're not happy. You know, your kids they think they would be happier if they didn't have to go to school. They think they would be happier if they didn't have to do chores. Okay, all kids think that, but I promise they will be more miserable. It is not a happy life. I say this all the time. Going to work makes today harder, but it makes tomorrow easier. Okay, when you if you if you quit your job this week, 
this week will be easier for you, but two weeks from now when you've got to start paying bills, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And these people that can't see down the road at all, they're quitting, they're giving up because they're lazy and ultimately their lives are harder. Ultimately, their lives are more difficult. Lazy people, they don't sleep very good. The Bible says in Proverbs 26.14, "...as the door turneth upon his hinges..." So doth the slothful upon his bed, going back and forth, tossing and turning. They can't sleep. Why can't they sleep? Their whole life is a nap. You sleep all day, you're not going to sleep very good at night. But let me tell you something. You go out and you work, and you work hard. And listen, working hard is not always just physical stuff. Some things are you know, mental work, the Bible says, is labor too. You know, much, much learning is a weariness of the flesh. When your body has been put to work, when your mind has been put to work, Man, you just you just want to get to that bed and just pass out. And let me tell you something. I sleep great. I really do. And but lazy people don't. And you know what? There should there's no place for laziness in a Christian. The Bible says in Romans twelve ten, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We have we have no business being slothful. We have a testimony that we need to maintain. And listen, I believe there are there's difficult, there's dangerous days that are coming for America. And if our children are going to be able to survive, they are going to have to know how to endure difficulty. They are going to have if America stays prosperous, you know, and if America stays prosperous, there's no doubt that the lazy they're always going to be miserable, they're always going to be immoral, and they're always going to be good for nothing. And so no matter what is coming, we need to teach our families and our children to be hard workers. It is the foundation of our society. Hard work is good. It is, it is good for us. It builds character. And us trying to create this you know, utopian environment where nobody has to work, it will destroy our society. It is why it is why there is so much immorality and stuff. We need we need hard workers, men and women, hard workers. It is hard being. I mean, a stay-at-home mom. That that that's the hardest job in the world, if you ask me. I'd rather go throw boxes all day in a freezer, <laughs> you know, than taking taking care of a bunch of kids, changing diapers, homeschooling that kind of stuff. I mean, that's hard work. But you know what? That's what you got to do. And so don't be ashamed of it. You know, be proud. Be proud of the work that you do. Keep on working hard. Teach let's teach the next generation to work hard. Let's not teach laziness. Let it is destroying our society. We need hard workers. If we're going to accomplish something for God today, we are going to have to work harder than we have ever had to work before. And so let's do it. Let's get busy. Get to work. So with that, let's all stand together.